Yeah. It's it, growing it, on me. And it should because it sticks in your head. And like, if you're going to brand yourself, you might as well brand yourself with something that sticks in your head. I mean, I sing that song all day long and then I sing it to my dogs, you know, yeah. so I, I hear you. I, yeah. So I think, I think we got something. I don't know Listen, how, but we do. Whoever would have thunk that Daylin could be a music producer? Uh, well, I did, you know. <laughs> Thank but you I for st- believing in me, Mark. But I stereotyped as well. So just real, just keeping it real. That I you stereotyped. Did. Yeah. That you I, did. Yeah, just keeping it real. But look, look, I want to show you something. Please show that to them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the whole audio not hearing me, it's hilarious because I'm probably the loudest person that you will ever meet. Just ask my wife. She can't stand it because I talk so loud and embarrass her in public all the time. I even embarrass her at home because she thinks the neighbors can hear me. I'm so loud. So the fact that nobody could hear me, (laughs) it's just the most ironic thing ever. Um, but but they should know that we we this should let them know and show to them that we listen. We you know their complaints, their concerns. Mm-hmm. We take them into consideration ASAP. We, we make changes. We make changes immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they are our shareholders, and yes. we listen absolutely. And the so, ones that made fun of my white headphones, look gone, gone. I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I've been trying to get him to get rid of those for the longest. So whoever commented that and made him feel insecure yeah. <laughs> about his call center headphones. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But all the comments, uh, for the most part have been positive. Yeah. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. I, I, it makes me feel good. How do you feel? I mean, I feel like we're really onto something, man. Like I feel like we're, we're, we're venturing into new uncharted territories right. with this whole immersive experience that we're creating. Yeah. Cause it's, re- to, it's real yeah. time investigating and yeah. it's true crime. It's paranormal. It's never been done. I, I, and, we're ta- yeah. and we're taking you across two forms of media, you know, right. you got a podcast that you're listening to now. And then you have a fully immersive investigative episode. Right. Like, who's doing that? Who's doing that, bro? I am right now. And you and me. Oh, yeah. And, and you. You're, yeah. Both of us. We're I, doing I really it. feel like if you give us give us about two weeks and we're going to start winning awards. When's award season? Has it already passed? Uh, yeah, It's summer, so it's a little slow, but it picks up okay. in the fall and it goes okay. all the way. It takes a vacation. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. But then when school comes back. Uh, yeah, it gets back into school, but then it, it takes another vacation for the holidays. And then you, uh, right in January and February, pow. So, uh, so yeah, we have time, uh, to really build some momentum. Yeah. So, so b- before we start, and we're going to get right into the episode. Cause a lot of y'all told us we talked too much beforehand and whatever, maybe we do, maybe we don't. I thought we were funny and entertaining. I, I did. Yeah. Listen, I thought it was hilarious. But no, y'all, we got in trouble. We got in trouble. Yeah. We thought we were doing the Lord's work, and apparently YouTube don't like the Lord. <laughs> mm. Wait, can we say – I better check my list to make sure we can't say – we can say the word Lord. We got to make sure you can say Lord. Apparently, y'all, there's a list of words that will get you demonetized on YouTube. So we have to be respectful to the YouTube suits and make sure that we don't say certain words. So at times you may hear us 
talking around <laughs> certain words. And it may be kind of awkward at first, but just bear with us, y'all. It's like learning a new language all over again. Yeah, we're going to have to speak YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there is one word in particular that was very sensitive. And you and I, we, you and I pr- approach this word sensitively. So it's not like, you know, right. and in the end, it turned out that uh, our friend Bertie, our beloved friend Bertie, by the way, I just, you know, she has become a part of the family at this point. Uh, she is a shifter for sure. Um, uh, we concluded that she did not do this word. So I think you can understand at home right. what this, this S word is. Birdie so we, did not unalive herself. That's a good way of putting it. That's, I uh, think that's a decent way to put it. I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. It, it's one of those we're going to find out one way or the other. because, And this is the scary part of AI technology is because they're literally getting AI bots to censor these words and then demonetize you. And there's not even a human doing it. It's a robot that right. is demonetizing us. So it's, what, it's what makes that horrible is because they fail to to identify context. Right. So they're just listening for buzzwords. Right. But they're not hearing the context in which yeah. we're discussing said buzzwords. Right. Because I feel like a human watches that they say and they would say, okay, yeah, big deal. They said it, but that's you know the the trial, the history of the whole story was that's what she did, which we proved. She did she it. She did not. Yes. Exactly. Well, so I we were it, doing man. a good thing. <laughs> we're we're literally true detectives, man. But I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about this week. This week, what do you have for us, man? What do you have for us? Where are we going? Who are we investigating? What's the story, Mark? Oh man, we're we're keeping it in the Smoky Row area. If you remember Smoky Row, that's the area of Nashville, the first four blocks from the river. So as you get off the boats and the steam from the steamers is still blowing off the river, you enter Smoky Row, which is a seedy underbelly, really nasty part of town full of saloons, gambling halls. Uh, Also, this is the P word was a was a uh, buzzword. I don't know if that's what got us. What? Pop locking. Yeah, more, more or less. Yeah. Gotcha. So, gotcha. <laughs> so the so uh, the 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 houses of ladies, um, so <laughs> there's us dancing around stuff, but that you know that's what Smoky Row is full of. Uh, but we're actually going to go to the end of Smoky Row, which is the fourth block, which was uh, actually named Cherry Street. If you can Cherry believe Street. that, yeah, Cherry Street, as in popping a cherry. Beep. YouTube. That's definitely going to get uh <laughs> that's definitely going to get demonetized. <laughs> we will have uh, to bleep so, that one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Cherry. So, uh we're going we're going to Cherry Street and actually the the nickname for Cherry Street was the Men's Quarter, you know, like the Gentlemen's Quarter. Gotcha. Uh this was for the high-end men to go to and no women were actually be caught dead there because uh this was for the men only it's like a so, little boys club but a but a block of it <laughs> you know why would it be in the seedy part of town though you would think the upscale gentleman would want to 
not be seen in that type of area. Yeah. So when with those type of spots. Yeah. Well, they needed a place too, and uh, so Nashville was a and during Reconstruction became a place for entrepreneurs to come and and grow businesses and know how to make money. And then uh, right on Cherry Street, they built this luxurious hotel actually during the Civil War, which was actually used as a Civil War prison for Confederate soldiers. Um, And it was called the Maxwell House. And I've mentioned this before, but the Maxwell House was the most prominent, nicest hotel in all of the South, because at this point, Atlanta was destroyed. So the uh, Nashville was really, it was a railroad town and a, and a, and a river town. And so the transportation in and out Nashville, you know, to go to the West or to go to the Northeast or even to go down to Atlanta, you went through Nashville. And if you were a prominent businessman, you stayed on at the Maxwell house. And then when you walked out of the Maxwell house, you saw the end of Smoky Row. So at this point, money was being poured in to Cherry Street to make Smoky Row look a little more presentable. And so that part of Smoky Row, uh, Cherry Street, which is now Fourth Avenue. So it no longer is called Cherry Street in Nashville. So if you go to Nashville and you're in, and you're on Fourth Avenue between Church and Union, this was the known as the Men's Quarter. Of Nashville, and the reason why I'm bringing this up um, is because I think it's probably the most haunted block in all of Nashville. And then there's really? alleys that go, there's alleys that go by, behind the buildings, and then on the side of the buildings. And all of those alleys are probably literally the most haunted alleys in the South for sure. Like, who would have ever thunk that Nashville, you know what I mean? Home mm-hmm. of, like, such beautiful music, food, culture, people, mm-hmm. has, like, this seething paranormal history that just runs rampant through the downtown. Well, it, it, it's funny because Nashville is not only has been in the 1880s and the early 1900s, and it still is an after-hours town. OK. Right. Um, and when you think about things that happen after hours, you know, I always say nothing good ever happens after 1 a.m. You know, <laughs> you know? but right. the, Nashville doesn't shut down at 1 a.m. It certainly didn't shut down at 1 a.m. in the 1880s and the early 1900s. And it doesn't shut down at 1 a.m. today. Um, it's still a fun city and it's always been a fun entertainment city. It's always been a travel city that uh, tourism has always been one of the biggest business in Nashville even in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, you know, wow. and uh, the men's quarter was for the wealthy travelers and it was thriving morning, noon and night. Think Vegas, think early day Vegas before right. Vegas. The, right. uh, this street was uh, the strip. The strip. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it did. It, it, it had these classy, very beautiful buildings with beautiful lights and, treated people to the nines and you know so you would go in uh the first floor and that would be the saloon on these places and i'm going to give you some of the names of these places too uh the first really prominent men's quarter saloon gambling hall and bar was called utopia okay okay (laughs) 
I like that for an 1800s name. That sounds real 1996-ish. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, like like when Romeo and Juliet was made into some like crazy movie with the guns and Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Day. Never mind. Exactly. That was, that was exactly tough. I hated that movie. Uh, <laughs> the other famous saloon, bar, gambling hall, and <clears throat> uh, was called the Climax. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Wow. It's not a joke. These names, I swear to you, don't sound 1800 at all. They literally sound like dirty 1980s, 1990s fun <laughs> yeah. bars. A, that definitely sounds like Times Square in the late 70s, early 80s. That's for sure. <laughs> like you see men wearing fishnet shirts walking up and down. Oh, the yeah, street. with their boom boxes. Or you got the big... The big collars out and the and the uh, gator boots, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they were wearing boots, but not that kind of boots. So, and the most prominent and probably nicest, best little <clears throat> house in Nashville was a place called the Southern Turf, uh, and that is going to be the focal point of our investigation. So, it's a cold, gray morning in February, nineteen sixteen. We have a 64-year-old bartender named Ike Johnson, and he has a pistol in his hand. Now, at this point in time of his life, he is at the end of his business as a saloon owner, and it's eviction day, for lack of a better term. So we got a bunch of uh, police officers trying to remove him and his belongings from the building. Uh, But what happens next is where the mystery really begins, because... As some will report, including the newspaper, he uses that gun and puts it to his head and then his life is extinguished. But was he really the type that would do something like that? Or was he more of a fighter type? So let me tell you the story of Ike Johnson and let's see if we could find out why he haunts. So the turf was a saloon, a brothel, a gambling hall, and it became the most popular establishment in Nashville. He was well-liked by many, including famous distiller Jack Daniels. Despite his popularity, Ike ended his life, though, with a self-inflicted gunshot in his third-floor apartment right in the southern turf. His death was definitely unusual, considering he had lived there for 20 years, and the building had been praised for its lavish gambling and extracurricular activities, if you know what I mean. However, after 20 years, there was a new law that was basically being enforced that created prohibition of alcohol, and they were definitely starting to crack down on the gambling and those extracurricular activities. So the Southern Turf did fall into disrepair and eventually was sold to the newspaper, The Tennessean. Despite Johnson being prevented from selling alcohol at the Southern Turf, he did have plans with developers to open up a new gambling hall and saloon a few blocks over in what was called Bootlegger's Row. But on the day of his eviction, the police came to remove him from the premises. But it's unclear whether he ended his life in front of them or was he perhaps murdered? Some say that Ike still haunts the Southern Turf building to this day with reports of sightings and even a tourist photograph allegedly capturing him looking out of his apartment window. So when Ike Johnson had that 38 caliber special in his hand and he did what they say he did, it's probably the end of one of the most colorful periods that we'll ever see in Nashville. Wait, so his death literally shut down the whole like red light district of Nashville? 
Yes, his death. Well, and there's a reason for that. Um, because uh, Nashville had already started prohibition 11 years before it became a federal law to stop the sale of alcohol. Oh, that's uh, in yeah. <laughs> well, that's what's hilarious because all the politicians were going to the men's quarter, but they were getting pressured by <clears throat> their wives. <laughs> and so right. it was funny because government really was trying to take over, you know, pro- that's why they did prohibition to begin with, because, you know, it was considered unruly and unholy, you know, to do these types of things. And alcohol leads to gambling. And a lot of people were <laughs> mad because... They would either get in trouble with their wife for being on the third floor, which is where <clears throat> happened, or they would lose all their money because they just got drunk. And, yeah. and then they would gamble it all away. And of course, when politicians or people lost their money, they're like, well, I'll show you. And then they were like, I'll take your liquor license away. And so they did. I And also a man that ruled with an iron fist. In fact, even before he was given the keys to the kingdom of the southern turf, he was constantly battling and beating up people that were pro-prohibition at the time. In fact, they started arguing for prohibition laws in the 1880s, and Ike punched out somebody on the floor of the Tennessee House at the state capitol. And he got 10 days in jail and a $50 fine. So this man really was. Ike sounds like a badass, first and foremost. 100. 100. So he's having fist fights on the floor of the Capitol, paying $50 fines, serving 10 days in jail. And for some reason, he unalived himself. He unalived himself. Well, that's what they're saying. Um, Inside of the bar. Yeah, well, so, yeah, so that's where the mystery begins. But let's uh, just show you. Here he is. This is my friend, Ike Johnson. So why am I telling you this story? Because this is a show called Why They Haunt. Obviously, the circumstances around his death are a mystery. But also, uh, there have been multiple, multiple sightings of this man. Look at this picture. This man looking down his apartment window because he lived at the Southern Turf. So he lived on the third floor that overlooked Cherry Street. And that's where apparently he unalived himself. And where he unalived himself uh, is where now there is multiple sightings of him looking down as if he were still living there. So, so what 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 is the rationale or the reasoning behind him unaliving himself? Did he leave a note, a letter? Did he tell anyone? No, it's like what n- if you're the man of the city, yeah, and running, you have the most prominent location that you know politicians, right. relevant relevant people, rich people, sailors come in and frequent. You were the man, right? Why would you? Why would you take that route? Well, so by 1916, prohibition was in full effect. And business went from this. It's like prohibition uh, is like YouTube. Right. And they demonetized old Ike. Mm-hmm. And Ike mm-hmm. was very upset. But not only that, his beloved building was being taken away from him because it was seized by the city. And the city sold it to the paper, the same paper that wrote this article. So, uh, so 
<laughs> wow. Okay. So business got bad. He probably couldn't really afford to pay the bills anymore. The city steps in, do what they do, take his building, and they sell it to the newspaper. Right. Exactly. Wow. So it's almost like as an entrepreneur, I understand how that feels. You putting your blood, sweat, and tears into something, building it from the ground up, mm-hmm. it becoming uberly successful. You, you're, you're reaping the benefits of it only for someone who had nothing to do with the success, the building, the sleepless nights, come in and just take your stuff. Like, that'll make you go all the way to the end behind some stuff like that, man. Yeah, I mean, this guy is like a captain of the ship, and he was willing to go down with his ship. Um, But he was not a man that you would have thought would have gone down with his ship. If you know what I mean, he seems like the type of guy that went out would have went out fighting as opposed to giving up. Exactly. And I mean, there are multiple. If you just type in Ike Johnson and Tennessee between 1880 and his death, you will find multiple times where he was uh, fined and uh, arrested for assault and battery. I mean, this guy was a fighter. Okay, so for him to just give up at the age of 64 uh, I just don't, I have a tough time believing that that's what happened. You know, um, okay. I'm not going to go into the coincidence thing because I don't feel like this was a coincidence. I mean, it certainly was possible that he did do what he did, but, uh, there are other, he did make some enemies along the way, specifically on the floor of the house. As I've told you, um, he was not a politician's friend. Let's just say. And if there's somebody that could off somebody, politicians have that kind of power. Yeah, real house of cards. Yeah. So here's some stuff that I found uh, deep and digging deep, uh, including 24 hours before his death, Ike Johnson had a conversation with the editor of the Tennessean. Mr. Johnson asked a favor, a thing he did not often do. This is what he said. When your paper leased this building, you said some mighty nice things about me. You may have occasion to say something more of the building and of me, but don't throw any more bouquets at me. It is not good for a man to live as I have lived, and it is not right for you to throw bouquets at me. So you speak uh, 18, late 18, early 1900s way better than I. Yeah. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah, he was starting to get a little kooky. Uh, it seems like he's depressed. <laughs> Don't throw no bouquets at me now. <laughs> yeah, it's well, that's the thing. It seemed like he was depressed uh, for sure. He's losing his home uh, to a newspaper, um, and it's no longer the nicest uh, building in all of Nashville. By the way, I have a Yelp review from 1904. Uh, okay. Yeah, you did you know Yelp was around back then? I did not. Yeah, I did not. I thought it was called maybe it was called Yippy. Yeah, no, it was called Yelp, uh, believe it or not. (laughs) And uh, yeah, uh, Yelp, Yelpy. So right here is the description of the Southern Turf when it opened. With a mahogany finish, while brass onyx and marble were lavishly used in the fixtures and decorations, in no building in the city can be found in better sanitary and ventilation arrangements The windows are of ground glass, while the lavatories are constructed of marble throughout the building. 
It it said it was sanitary and ventilated. Mm-hmm. So it was clean and not funky. Not yeah, because most of those. And that's how you want your. That's how you want your brothel to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Are you suggesting that that's what it was from the third floor above? I, hey, listen, man. Because I be. didn't say that. I just might have implied it. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm reading what you. I'm I'm picking up what you're dropping, Mark. Yeah, because I'm gonna have to do it that way. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, uh, this would have been again the nicest in the city. Uh, kind of like that movie with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds. It was called Best Little House in Texas. Uh, it was from yep. 1980. I mean, you know, the Dolly Parton, gorgeous. Burt Reynolds, I mean, the man. I mean, look gorgeous. at look at me. I look like Burt Reynolds. You know, I'm, you're like a mixture. You're like if Burt Reynolds had a baby with the rock. That's right. That's right. 100. That's and, who you would be. And well, actually, I am that child. I am. And that's Jack Black. <laughs> so that's what we get. Right. We got Jack Black. Uh, when the Brock and Burt Reynolds put the thing together we got Jack Black so so yeah so uh the southern turf was was a fancy schwancy place guess what it's still standing out of all the buildings, to this day yeah it's still there so this is why we're talking about our good friend Ike because it is said that Ike is still standing in his third floor apartment looking down and i will just if you don't believe me, let me show you pictures that have been taken. There's a guy's face right here in the window. At least that's what could oh, wow. be suggested. But remember. So, but is is the, the building that's currently there, is it still called the Southern Turf? Yeah, they call it the Southern Turf building, but it's actually now a restaurant. But here's a pic, recent picture of it. And this is Ike's third floor apartment, which is the middle one. The top floor would be the fourth floor. Um, and I got to say, man, the name Southern Turf might be the coolest name I've ever heard of. Yeah, that's a really cool name. So this is uh, these are actually this is uh, Utopia Climax and Southern Turf from left to right. You have the Southern Turf with those beautiful windows and ventilation. Uh, you have the Climax in the middle and you have the Utopia and these all stand today. Have you visited any of those places? Uh, yes, sir. And I'm going to. Uh, take you there uh because i think we need to investigate this street in general but like the alley between the southern turf here you see that down the street down there uh so it's called banker's alley because there was actually a bank across the street from the southern turf across that alley and there actually it was a wells fargo then in the 1880s and the 1900s and it's a wells fargo now isn't that neat? Hey man, that's one thing about Wells Fargo, man. They stay consistent. They are. Their branding hasn't changed at all either. And the stagecoach is still there. No. But uh, I don't call it that. I call it call? Uh, Undertaker Alley. Oh, wow. <laughs> either you watched a lot of wrestling or a whole lot of people died in that alley. Well, I, both. I, I envision <laughs> a man dressed much like the Undertaker in wrestling uh, in black with that hat coming around in his stagecoach with his horses and he oh, wow. was picking up bodies because if you recall uh there were a lot of people still dying of syphilis and other stds at the time uh mainly women and these were still women that were brought in 
uh, and they were still living out their days in not just the Southern Turf, but also in the Climax and in the Utopian. Um, but when they died, they were kind of Jane Doe's. And so what they did with them is put them out kind of like, ooh, you know, when you go to New Orleans and if you ever are up early at 6 a.m. and you're watching them clean up Bourbon Street. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of the, the vision I'm seeing here of what they were doing. And so the Undertaker, who basically his uh, studio or cremation area or his whatever it's called was just a block north, he would literally come and pick up the body. So he would literally be doing like sweeps, morning sweeps every day, collecting any bodies that were thrown out over the course of the night and then disposing of them in any which way that he saw fit. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Think about how many people women specifically might have gone missing left unalived in any type of way and like their families don't know anything they were never found no records oh man i guarantee that alleyway or street is just festering with paranormal activity because that's that's not only residual energy it's the angst it's the you know the the just all the negativity it's murder mayhem like, it's a lot, man. It's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Yeah, and it's, you know, just sitting there. And that's why I think Ike is still kind of watching over the area. So then who do we feel like could pop? If we don't feel like Ike did it to himself, who do you feel like Ike got into it with? Who are our suspects other than, okay, he got into a fight on the floor of the Capitol. I'm sure he, you know... There's probably other CD guys coming in and out of the location, right? Yeah, a lot of people. So there are a lot of people named in his will, including Jack Daniels, by the way, which is fascinating. So he wrote a will very shortly before he passed. And it, during that, uh, in that will, um, he states that my debt should be paid and then all the money should be left to my brother. And that was literally the, his only family he had. He had never married. He'd never had children. His mom and dad had since passed. And all he had left was his brother. So he left his whole earnings to his brother after all his debts were paid. Uh, and Jack Daniels was actually on that list. He owed Jack Daniels $1,500 at the time of his In death. In the 18, it was in the 19, the early 19, This was 1916. And what is it in the uh, in everyone who's listening? Let's do that calculation. What is fifteen hundred dollars in nineteen sixteen in comparison to twenty twenty three? Well, I come prepared to uh, our shows, oh, wow. and, and I definitely googled it. It was forty two thousand dollars. So yeah. hey, man, say <laughs> people have done way more to people for way less money. Yeah. Well, I'm not suggesting Jack Daniels killed him. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing you saying. That's no, what I heard you say. There saying. were like a lot of people on this. Are we at why they hunt putting it into the atmosphere that Jack Daniels could have potentially carried out a hit for a $40,000 money owed to him? Um yeah, uh, no, I'm not. Is that the title of this video? I am definitely Jack, Jack Daniels, Daniels murder. <laughs> well, here's the list of people uh, that so he basically his brother, his brother was left with about twenty five dollars, <laughs> maybe and, and five and a, cents, and a high five. Yeah, uh, he probably liked to drink and a lot. 
but you also got to figure he was a he was a bar owner, and you know Jack Daniels was just getting it started. And it's very well known that Jack Daniels and a man named George A. Dickel, when they were creating their whiskey back then, they were bringing it from their distilleries to Cherry Street and putting it in the finest bars uh, in Nashville. Uh, so Jack Daniels was very well known to have been selling his uh, whiskey at the Southern Turf. And I believe George A. Dickel actually owned the Climax and the Utopia. So that's where yeah. Dickel would have sold his whiskey. Uh, so there so was a rivalry maybe, there, too. You think maybe uh, our guy maybe got fronted some whiskey and didn't pay for it and didn't re-up and give him his money back? It's interesting because bootlegging was very popular you know, right away. Um, and you know, these places stayed open, these bars, you know, even after the prohibition laws came into effect, because you really could just bribe a police officer or a government official because hell and you probably had some dirty photos on them or well, whatever the equivalent of that would have been back then, <laughs> you know, you, right. you definitely had dirty, dirty laundry. You definitely had a gambling debt probably or two, but then again, you had these nasty people that would be like, nah, you you tricked me. They always blamed, you know, the whiskey, of course. Uh, that's that's a country song. Blame the whiskey. But anyways. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> it went just I like, like that. that. Yeah. It sounded like it. <laughs> yeah. So these are a list of... Like, is, that, is that Garth Brooks? Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> so there, these are some people, these look like, you know, there's a guy named TJ Mooney who is on this list, but then, you know, you have, you know, these people like the brewing company. So that would have been the beer that was served at the turf. So how much in debt was he when it was all said and done? Probably. Oh, I'll do the ad adding. I'll, I'll add it quickly. 42. Uh, are you counting all this in your head? Yeah. Oh, wow. 50, 64. Mark Einstein. 73. Uh, 80. Oh, my God. That's $100,000 of debt. 2000 again. Oh, man. Oh, so it's well over $10,000 in debt, which in today's world, which we know a 1500 is probably 42000 So... He was probably in today's dollars about a half a million in debt uh, at the time oh, of his wow. death. <laughs> so, oh wow! Um, oh wow! So he couldn't have had that much for his brother to pay off his. His brother probably didn't even pay off all his debt. Yeah, that'd be an interesting thing to look up. Uh, maybe somebody at home would look that up. So, so needless to say, there were very powerful men who definitely had an interest in in, in getting back at old Ike. Uh, and then, of course, he had many, many people angry at him. He was he was arrested in a, for a fight for, uh, you know, beating up multiple gamblers all the time just because they were considered spotters, which, as you know, are people that like look at uh, cards, you know, and then kind of tip the hat like, hey, he's got a good hand right. and stuff. Cheating. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he would if he caught somebody doing that, he'd break their arm. And they'd pay the $50 fine and call it a day, you know? So, uh, cause that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> so he couldn't have paid this debt back cause he was too busy paying $50 every time he broke someone's arm. So, uh, so yeah. that's intense, man. Yeah. So I guess it's, it's, it's up to us to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. 
and see if we can maybe get in contact with the gentleman to see if right. maybe the story is true. Either he did it to himself or someone else did it yeah. for whatever reason. Well, and also, I mean, listen, I mean, if I have a theory and if somebody other than himself took care of himself, uh, I would have guessed eviction day came and there would have been four or five police officers uh, banging down his door, which we know is what happened. Uh, Right. Here's what we know happened. It was eviction day and about four or five police officers were sent to remove Ike and remove his stuff from the building. But it's very, very possible that Ike was like, I'm not going. And it's very, very possible that somebody had a 38 caliber and somebody put it to his head. Very possible. Um, Okay. And then, or I also... It's very possible maybe just wanted to not go down without a fight. He might have had that thirty-eight caliber in his hand and it it might have been pointed at these gentlemen that came to remove his stuff and himself from the building. Or, you know, it was just at the mo- at that moment it was like pow. So uh not not really sure what went down. Um but right now his legacy is he was a very charitable man, a very odd man, as the paper called him, and somebody that ended his life abruptly. So that's his I, legacy. I look, at it, I look at it both ways, man. I feel like it's just either way that that story went, it's just kind of sad. If he did do it to himself, you have the story of a hardworking man that built something from nothing who had everything taken from him, and he just couldn't take it anymore. That's sad. Or... On the other hand, you had someone that built something from nothing and you had envious people who wanted to take it from them. Right. And did. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like in the end, it's just like, oh, Ike lost. Yeah. But I but I I've I've heard a lot of people that played a lot of CD games, man, like ex drug dealers, like the uh, the gentleman of BMF. And these people that get caught and they end up serving 30, 40 years. Or even dying early. Right. It's just like in that game, it's just like it comes with it. And most people would rather have had it. Right. And lost it early Mm -hmm. than to never have had it at all. Yeah. So you get somebody, you know what I mean, that live these fast lifestyles, getting a lot of money, a lot of attention, a lot of fame. And yeah, it doesn't last that long. But then you also get people who never will experience anything close to that. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Even Kobe Bryant, I read an article. He was Mm. like, he didn't feel like he was going to live long. He said that he didn't want to live long. He wanted to be almost like idolized, like a a martyr almost. Wow. Remembered. And you think he died, you know, early 40s. But the things that he accomplished in his life is almost like, I don't know, man. I, I just think about that sometimes, man. Yeah. It's just like some people will never, and they will live a whole long life. A person will live a hundred years and never accomplish near the things that some people accomplish who may pass away in their thirties. So, is it worth it? Like, does how does that person feel? How does 
Tupac feel? How does Marilyn Monroe feel? How does uh, 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 James Dean, like how do all these people that died early but lived these crazily fulfilled lives, like, you know what I'm saying? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Maybe then I did do what they say he did because he had lived 64 years. And in that time, he lived a very full life uh, in the most exclusive saloon gambling hall in in the city of Nashville where he was born and raised. So definitely, uh, definitely an interesting case to go look at. But the thing is, is I think I want to just want to spend some time just before we go, just looking over these haunted photos event so here is one oh, of the far building of the turf right now you see three stories of the turf do you see anything in these pictures dalen oh wow yeah this picture where you see the window it's like a whole person staring out the window there has to be somebody in that window it's possible it's possible like i mean like somebody like that works in there like that's a whole full figure of a person peeking out the window and uh, yeah well and then in this 222 photo you see a the reflection of someone right oh wow oh wow you see a face in the bottom right okay all right mark you got some real solid evidence with these photos man so that lets me know that it makes me feel like whoever's in there is still in there somebody's in there now if it's ike eh, that's still up for debate yeah but why would it not be though no I, yeah you're right i mean obviously there were a lot of seedy characters that have been in that building but uh, you know the fact that we know for a fact 100 percent that ike died on that in the third floor apartment um yeah we know that for 100 percent. i would be on the the side of it's more than likely that the man ended his life very rapidly, I guess is the way. We so you think it. he you think I did it himself? I think that is the, the best guess. However, uh, it's definitely possible because he certainly had enemies and he certainly uh, definitely loved the southern turf. Um, yeah. And there certainly were men coming to get him. And remove him. And he was definitely a fighter. So I don't know what the circumstances around his death were. Um, To me, they ended a little abruptly. But maybe he thought there was nothing left for him. I don't know. Um, So I think we need to go. What's that? No, I'm saying I think that's interesting, man. I think that that gives us a solid perspective to go to for our investigation. Like, if he did do it himself why you know what i'm saying what was the driving force what drove those emotions and that energy and are those energies still inhabiting the place now because like why are people still seeing you are there residual actions are there residual hauntings going on is your energy trapped because of the seediness of of you know what i mean like i think there's a lot of great questions for us to kind of go into this investigation with yeah and i mean maybe he just wants to be there maybe he did literally never (laughs) want to leave Um, right like i mean god's at the heaven gate he's like yo ike you were actually not a bad dude you can come up and ike's like (laughs) i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm I'm gonna chill at the southern turf man the turf's still rocking well and and look i mean how many ghosts are 
are are lurking among uh, among the southern turf because I truly believe and I can't wait to get there. We'll talk to Ike individually, but I think we also need to go down to that alley in uh, what I call Undertaker's Alley and see what else is going on there because I truly believe that that might be one of the scariest places, you know. And then also we should try to see if we can get a glimpse of Ike while we're there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, maybe we can, because it's on the third floor. I doubt that they let us go in. Maybe we can break out the drone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This so, is what we have the drone for. That's right. Not just to make beautiful shots in movies. Like, it could be exactly. used in our... What we should do is we'll put the drone... Okay. So, yeah, because everybody's photos from the street. But what we should do is kind of, like, circle the drone around yep. the building. Yep. I like where your head is, Mark. Floor. I like where your head is. What if we can get an amazing, like, the best capture of Ike that anyone's gotten? Oh, my God. You were talking about awards, right? <laughs> you know, it wasn't – Shark Week really didn't hit its mark until they got that drone and the shark to come bite, you know, the drone. Like, yeah. And when they got that shark coming out of the water in the drone, what if we become the first paranormal investigators to get a shot of a ghost on a drone? Um, that's, that's what we're, you know what? You know, let's just end this podcast now. Okay. Because we I'm can't done. do anything that's better than that. That's can't, you can't give nobody no. better, anything better than that. That's what we're going to That's what we're going to say. This is the do. second episode, and we're going to go and get Ike on, on film in the drone. We're gonna put a ghost on a drone. That's a mic drop. We're done. We'll just be like, nah, like nothing else to see. Yeah. They got they got snakes on a plane. We got ghosts on a drone. Yeah. All right. So we're heading out uh, tomorrow, and uh, I'll take you uh, to the southern turf, and I'll take you. We'll, we'll we'll also take a look more at Smoky Row because you know Birdie hung out there too, and I, I think it's it's cool for y'all to kind of walk the path of Birdie and now Ike. So. Yeah. They lived during the same time, so. All right, well, we'll see you on the investigation. So thanks for joining us. Love y'all.